Well, to get started and as we uh, transition into a time where we can uh, open up God's Word and, and learn from it, I need four volunteers, and uh, I would love it if we could get uh, one volunteer from each section, would be great. And before you volunteer, I just want you to know that uh, what you're going to be asked to do will not embarrass you, um, but it does require a little bit of skill in building or architecture, engineering or design, something along those lines. So four volunteers, please. Longer it takes you, the longer we stay here today. I'm just, just saying. So, come, just, yep. Okay, one of you two. Come on up. <laughs> Father, son. Then they have to be on opposite teams. One more. All right, here we go. Um, I know Quinn, but I forgot your name. I always forget your name. Chris. All right, okay. So, yeah. Yeah, okay, that'll work. So, um, since it is football season... Uh, we're going to do this the old-fashioned way. We're going to flip a coin. I had a coin in my pocket. There it goes. There it is. And uh, this, Bob, we're going to let you call it. So this is heads, and that's tails. So the, the cross is heads, and the writing's tails. All right, so you ready? Call it in the air. Ready to go? Heads, of course, and it is heads. So you get your choice, you know, like they do in football. Do you want box number one or two? Do you want to decide which box, or do you want to decide which table? Okay. So which table do you guys want, that one or this one? Okay, so go pick up the box you want. This side is two. So the one closest to you is two. And there you go. Got it. And guys, you guys take that one to that table. Your instructions are as follows. Um, In the next few minutes, your challenge is to build something that is 12 inches tall that will not fall over. Anything in the box. Anything in the box, 12 inches tall, that will not fall over. All right? You cannot use the box, anything in the box. Okay? Now, while they're doing that, I just want to, uh, to address a few things uh, this morning. Um, I'd like you to grab your Bibles, if you would, and turn to Matthew chapter 7. Uh, it's on page 686, um, if you're reaching for a blue Bible. Uh, this morning, we uh, strive to help people discover and experience the life-changing love of Christ as we go, love, and teach. It's something we do um, all the time. It's why we do what we do. And as believers, we are seeking to grow and to build and to change and be transformed into who God has created us to be every day of our lives. And, and if you're new with us, or if you haven't missed a Sunday all year, that'd be two in a row. Row for those of you keeping track at home. Um, I want to uh, invest a few minutes and remind you where we have been and give you a glimpse as to where we are going. All right, so walk with me down this path for just a few minutes. Last year, back in June of 2014, we uh, we explored this idea of if. All right, we looked at the idea of if we confess our sins and if we confess Jesus is Lord, if we love God and if we love others, if we pray, if we do these things, what does our life look like? And that's what we explored. Uh, through the summer, we went through the book of Colossians and we looked at how so much of our life is spent running on empty, right? We spend so much of our time running on empty and how we need to strive to have the life that's described by Jesus. We need to have that full life. How Paul encourages us to be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Man, they're noisy, aren't they? From, from there, from, after that, 
we, uh, we went and looked at the big three. We looked at faith and hope and love. And then we dove into the what's your story idea. Okay, Now that was an amazing series for our church as a body of believers. Something that, that was pretty uh, amazing for us. Uh, we got to hear the different stories of, of a few different people. We, uh, we kicked off small groups and, and you shared your stories even more. And, and what was amazing about that was, not only did individuals share their story, but we, we came to realize that we are a part of God's story. A part of the grand narrative of the King and how our role matters and how our story matters and how it's important and that God has a role he has a place for all of us for you and for me and we shared stories with each other we also came to understand these things as well that life is messy isn't it that life doesn't always turn out the way we want it to there are things that happen that we just we we just would rather not have happened It, it doesn't go according to our plan there's times that we see where God shows up big, and He shows up in amazing and unexpected ways. And there's also times that, that we still kind of feel like we're still waiting for God to show up, isn't there? There's things in our life where we're like, God, if you would just do something, life would be better. And we find ourselves waiting, which is what Advent's all about, right? Advent, while we wait, while we wait, we participate in the ministry of reconciliation, a ministry of hope and of peace and of love and of joy, and, and those are the things that, that we're called to do. We're called to, to minister in such a way that Jesus becomes not only our Savior, but He's also our Lord for us. Which leads us into where we're going to be for the next several weeks. Um, last week we looked at what's new, right? And we talked about what Paul said in Romans chapter 12, where he says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. And then we, we looked at how this transformation, if you remember last week, if you were here, how this transformation is a gradual change on the inside which results in total transformation on the outside, right? And how that's what we are called to do. We are called to, to slowly change on the inside which will change us from the outside. And it's not changing who we are, it's simply changing and revealing who it is that God has created us to be. And then today... Today we are kicking off kind of the next phase of this, which is titled Seek First. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first his righteousness. And we're going to look at that as we head into Easter. And we look at the the parables and what Jesus taught and and how that's applicable to our lives. And and how as we learn about what the kingdom of God is like, Jesus tells us what the people in the kingdom are to be like. So we know what then we're to be like and how we're to live our lives. And then we'll move into to people sharing their stories again about why they follow the, the Savior, why they're believers, and, and then move on into other things and look at uh, characters in, in the Scripture. And so uh, that's a glimpse of where we've been and a glimpse of where we're headed. So how are we doing? Your time's up. Okay, I'll check them first. All right. So... 12 inch, yep, got it. Pretty solid, right? What do you guys think? Good job? All right. Bob, Matt, thank you very much. You guys can have a seat. Perfect. Now just walk away and you're good, right? I'll take a step back. <laughs> um, a little more challenging, huh? Okay, so here the, the, uh, they had, were able to build with what? With... Lego blocks, the big Lego blocks, right? And over here they have cards, decks, two decks of cards, right? Yeah. All right, would you give them a round of applause as well? Thank you, guys. You're good. 
You're good. Now, why, why did we have them do that? Well, if you look in, in the Scripture, in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, Jesus has been uh, teaching the people. Uh, he's been uh, teaching what we have called and what we've titled the Sermon on the Mount. Again, we've talked about this before, and the reason it's called such is because Jesus preached a sermon while standing on a mountainside. So, Sermon on the Mount, pretty creative in the, in the, in the title there. But Jesus is teaching people in a way that they had never been taught before. He, he speaks to them about what it means to be salt and what it means to be light, he, what it means to fulfill the law. He challenges the widely accepted thoughts on murder and adultery and divorce and oaths and revenge and, and giving and prayer and fasting and judging. And, and those are just the, the highlights of what Jesus talked about in, his, in this uh, sermon that he gave. And at the end of Matthew chapter 7, Jesus tells a story. And it's a simple story that is meant to kind of explain the point Jesus was making in his sermon. They say a picture is worth a thousand words, and Jesus painted an amazing picture so that the people could understand. And he did that by telling a story. It's something that he did so that his message would be clear, so the listener would be able to relate and respond to that which he had been teaching. The story in Matthew chapter 7, toward the end, verses 24 through 29, may be a familiar story to you. We've talked about it here before. Uh, You may even know the song, some of you. The wise man built his house on the rock. Okay, I'm not going to sing anymore because that's not what I'm supposed to do. Um, This is the story of the wise and the foolish builder. And and because it's familiar with, to you, probably, and if not, then it, this will be new. But, but for those of you who have heard this story before, I invite you to hear it again for the first time. And to do that, I want to read it from the message version of the Bible. And so it's going to be on the screen. I invite you to follow along uh, with me. It says this, these words I speak to you, and Jesus is speaking, these words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life, homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words, words to build a life on. If you work these words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who built his house on solid rock. Rain poured down, the river flooded, or tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. It was fixed on the rock, or to the rock. But if you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, You're like a stupid carpenter who built his house on the sandy beach, and when the storm rolled in, the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. That's why. I wanted you to see that. I wanted you to see the the difference between building well and building poorly. Building collapsing like a a house of cards. I I just love that that imagery here in this story. Uh, The house on the solid rock or the house... Of cards, I think Jesus here in his story, he's making the point about the absolute necessity of building your life on the right kind of foundation. Because the right kind of foundation holds everything up. It holds everything together. The quality of the materials you use doesn't matter as much as where you build. Because you can carefully put everything together, and you may be very skilled, but if your foundation is not solid, then your house is going to fall because it's going to lack integrity. Think about this. In a physical house, in a building, if the foundation is not secure, if it is, if it is shifting, over time cracks are going to develop in the walls, right? 
the windows are going to really start sticking, the roof will leak, and sooner or later, a storm will come along, and something will happen, and the, the house will fall down, and everything you've worked hard to, to build will be lost. So when it comes to our individual lives, not a physical building, but a physical being, how do we know if we're building our life on the solid rock or on a shifting sand? Well, Jesus tells us in this text what makes that determination. The determining factor is whether or not you merely hear the Word of God and do nothing with it, or whether you hear the Word of God and put it into practice. Jesus is concluding His message, His Sermon on the Mount, by saying, here are the consequences of accepting or rejecting My teaching. Jesus had been teaching the people. He'd been encouraging the people and His disciples to to grow. And He challenges them to, to grow and to consider, what are you going to do about it? He asked them, what are you going to do about it? Because what you do with what you have heard, it matters. According to Matthew, Jesus used this phrase, anyone who hears these words of mine. Now what's very interesting about Jesus using that phrase is in doing so, Jesus emphatically separated his own teaching from all the other human authority that they they had heard. He was revealing himself as having the authority of God to give the final say or the final word on how we are to live our life. Jesus was saying, this is important. This is the authority. And the amazing thing is, people recognized his authority. If you look at verses 28 and 29 in the New International Version, it says, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority, not as their teachers of the law. Again, I love the message version of this where it says, when Jesus concluded his address, the crowd burst into applause. Right? It was so amazing, they burst into applause. They'd never heard teaching like this. It was apparent that he was living everything he was saying, quite a contrast to the religion teachers. This was the best teaching they had ever heard. The people were amazed at Jesus. They were amazed at what he was saying. He was the best they had ever heard. But you can almost hear Jesus as he's telling the story. He's, he, can, he can tell, he's like, yeah, you guys are enjoying this. This is really good. This is all great. But what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? Are you going to be wise? Or will you be foolish? Let's take a moment and just consider uh, the foolish builder, the one who was called foolish, the one who built his house on the sand. I think it's important to realize he did a lot of things right. For instance, he was evidently very diligent. He was energetic. Uh, He was a hard worker. Uh, If you think about it, it was not an easy task to build a house. It would have been especially difficult in that time, uh, you know, that time frame and that point of history. Uh, Not only was building a house a huge financial uh, commitment, but there were no power tools, right? There were no Lowe's, no Home Depot, no delivery trucks to bring you your stuff. Uh, he, he had to carry stone. He had to cut the wood. He had to, to make bricks out of clay. Building a home usually took months, even up to a year of hard, back-breaking labor. And yet, he did it. And he didn't quit. He persevered until the structure was complete. You could never accuse this builder of not being devoted, of not being committed, of not believing wholeheartedly in what he was doing. I would suggest to you, that the, the house that was built on the sand was a good, well-put-together structure. In all appearances, it was well-built and probably very attractive and admired by other people. 
after all. It didn't fall down right away, right? It's not like it had these obvious defects where it just couldn't stand at all. It stood. It was there. As long as the weather was good, it was perfectly adequate. It wasn't until the rains came or the storms came that it collapsed. And I highlight that because just because the man was working hard didn't automatically mean that he was doing the right thing. Just because he was experiencing success from his labor didn't mean that what he accomplished was a good thing. Yes, he managed to accomplish something that looked impressive and it looked worthwhile, but it didn't mean that things were really in good shape. Because underneath it all, there was a hidden weakness. There was a lack of a true and solid foundation upon what he was building. And I would suggest to you that it is possible to accomplish a great deal of of things in this world even when you're building on the sand. You can build a business. You can build a career. You can make money. You can have a good marriage. You can develop a wide circle of friends. You can be well-liked. You can enjoy the company of others. You can do good things. You can give money to charity. You can coach Little League. You can be a big brother or a big sister. You can find a cure for a disease. You can adopt or sponsor a child from another country. You can do pro bono legal work for the poor, volunteer at a retirement home, serve at a soup kitchen, pass out food at the East Trenton Center. A whole list of things that you could do which are amazing. You can have a good time and enjoy life. You can do many big, important, and impressive things. But eventually, if your life is built on the sand, your life is not on the foundation of Jesus, a storm will come along and it will bring it all tumbling down. For some people, that storm doesn't come in this life. They live their life having little or no interest in having a relationship with Jesus, and yet they have things. Right? They enjoy life. Things seem to be going well for them. And when they die, things seem to be fine. And for them, I think the storm that ultimately destroys everything will be when they stand before our Lord and Savior. Because at that moment, the only thing that will matter to you and to me is what you do with Jesus. What you do with Him. Did you by faith receive His forgiveness and His grace and His mercy and His love and His righteousness in your life? Did you hear His words and put them into practice? And if so, then you will stand. And if not, then you will be swept away. That's what Jesus says. Now, as I was preparing this and I got to this point, I I had to stop myself and go, you know what? That doesn't sound very encouraging, does it? It says that the pick-me-up, rah-rah, But it's also very true. Sometimes the truth just isn't a lot of fun. But it's also true that it doesn't have to be that way. You don't have to be like the foolish builder whose house is destroyed. You can be like the wise builder whose house stands firm. So what makes the difference between the wise builder and the foolish builder? Did the wise builder work harder? No. Did he use better materials? No. We're not told that he did. Not like this, where it kind of set up for failure, right? Things were equal. They, they had the same opportunity. The difference was the foundation on which he chose to build. He chose to take the words of Jesus, the teachings to be salt and to be light, to take his instructions on love and marriage and, and giving and prayer and worry and judging and put those things into practice. And that made all the difference in the world and for eternity. Even in the most terrible, frightful storm, it could not destroy the house that was built on the solid rock. Why? Because to hear 
the words of God and to put them into practice is to build on a firm foundation. And yet to hear the words of Christ and to not put them into practice, to continue to do our own thing, to accept what the world teaches, is to be building on sand. I've seen it, I'm sure you've seen it as well, people building their lives on the sand of this world instead of God's Word. I would suggest to you that that sand is composed of human opinions and and attitudes and wills that are always shifting and changing and, and are unstable. I've seen people choose to build their lives on their own self-will and their self-fulfillment, their self-purpose and, and self-sufficiency, self-satisfaction and self-righteousness, and all that has in common is self, right? They are in charge. And as long as God's Word doesn't contradict what they think or what they believe or how they want to live, all is good. I was reading yesterday in Time Magazine where a guy who was a pastor and is now a self-proclaimed atheist is writing a book to, to free people from having to believe in God. And the premise of his book is that now that he no longer believes, he's free. He's free to do what he wants, and he's free to pursue what he desires, and he's free to live the life he has always wanted. It's all about him. And I think that's shifting sand. It's building on sand. It's being unteachable. Paul says, always learning but never able to acknowledge the truth. We're called to acknowledge the truth of God's Word. And in acknowledging the truth, we're called to act, which again causes us to ask the question, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? You see, here's the danger Here's the struggle, because we realize that we can never do enough to be saved. Alright? Hear that. You can never do enough to be saved, because salvation is a free gift of God. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. Not of yourself, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. It's free. But because of that, we tend to de-emphasize the actions that we take, the choices we make, and what we do. But our actions are important James addresses this when he says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. A couple verses later, James says, the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. Again, in James chapter 2, in the message version, it says this, do you really think that you'll get anywhere in this if you learn all the right words but never do anything? Does merely talking about faith indicate that, you are, that a person really has it? Isn't it obvious that God talk without God acts is outrageous nonsense? Paul said in Romans chapter 2, For it is not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight, it is those who obey the law who will be declared righteous. John wrote in 1 John 2, 4 and 5, The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a, is a what? It's a liar. And the truth is not in him, but if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. And there are more. How we live our lives, the choices we make, they matter. What we do with God's word is the difference between being a foolish builder and a wise builder. It's the difference between building your life on sand or on the solid rock of Jesus. As believers... We're called to live our lives not conforming to the pattern of this world, but to take God's word and then to act upon it, not so that we can be saved, not to earn a relationship with God, but because 
we are saved. And because we have a relationship with God and we're walking with Him each and every day, our lives, as we talked about last week, are in the process of being made new, being transformed each and every day as we incorporate His truth into our life. As we allow it to penetrate our soul and we act upon it, we begin building a firm foundation. Now, one last thing to kind of cover before we, we wrap up. I, I want you to hear this, okay? Because our actions are important, because we're saved by grace, here's the thing. Living a life in obedience to the Lord is not about trying harder, okay? It's not about trying harder. It's a concept that we see a lot during this time of year. Uh, people make New Year's resolutions, right? They, they say, you know what? I'm going to lose that 10 pounds, Okay? And so I'm going to exercise and I'm going to eat right and I'm going to do this. I'm going to make the commitment and I am going to do this. And what happens? We do okay for a while, don't we? And then we miss a day or two. Uh, then that cookie sounds really good or the mocha drink at Starbucks or wherever you like your mochas, you know, really good. And, and then we think, ah, oh, it's not that big a deal and we slide a little bit, Right? And then we get frustrated because the results aren't happening the way we wanted them to. It's taking longer than we wanted it to take. And, and we get frustrated, which leads to being discouraged. And in our discouragement, we, we feel like we're failing. And since we're failed, we failed already, then what's the point, right? I just will quit. And so we quit. We give up. But you know, if you're in that boat right now, or if you find yourself in that boat here in the next week or two, you know what's going to happen? 72 days from now is spring, officially. The weather's going to start to turn, and you're going to start thinking about what? Shorts and t-shirts and maybe going to the shore, and you're going to think, oh, you know what? I really need to lose that 12 pounds, <laughs> and, and you're going to buckle down again, aren't you? And you're going to make the commitment. You're going to become determined that we're going to eat right, and we're going to exercise, and we're going to do this, and, and the cycle repeats itself again. And you may stay in that cycle a little longer in one form or you know, the other, in the, in the doing well stage or the frustration stage or the quitting stage, but, but that cycle repeats itself. And I want to suggest to you that the same is true in our walk with Christ. We hear a message or a passage of Scripture or something happens in our life or it's a new year and we've made the New Year's resolution and we're determined, I'm going to do this God thing. So we buckle down and we make the commitment and we are determined and we're going to try harder. We say, you know what, I'm going to read my Bible and pray every day. I'm going to go to church every Sunday. Well, you know, maybe three times a month. Okay, twice a month. I'm going to go to church, right? But then something happens. We, we don't read our Bible. We don't pray. We, we miss church for one reason or another and, and we get frustrated and we start to, to think, you know what, my life really isn't any different when I'm doing those things and when I'm not. And that leads us to become discouraged. And in our discouragement, we start to believe those voices in our head that say, you know what, you've been away too long. It doesn't really matter. After all, who do you think you are? No one really wants you there. God doesn't want you there. You better get your act together before you try to do anything because God knows what you did. No one misses you. You're not important. It doesn't matter. And so we feel like a failure. And we give up. And then a holiday comes around, Christmas, Easter, something happens in our life where we feel like this is something we need and we feel guilty about not going to church and about not doing those things. And so we become determined and we become motivated once again and we buckle down and we try harder 
And it's the same cycle. It just repeats itself time and time again. We, we are guilty of taking a relationship with God through Jesus Christ and we turn it into a list of do's and don'ts. We focus all of our energy on avoiding the things that we shouldn't do and make sure we're doing the things that we should do. And we fail to realize that Jesus came to this earth because God sent him here. So that we can have a relationship with him. That he's written us into his story, into the grand narrative of God. And we each have a role to play. And that means that we get to love and we get to serve and we get to to rest and we get to grow and we get to be transformed. It's not a list of what we have to do. It's, It's things that we have opportunity to do. And I would say that, that all of us, at one point or another, and you may find yourself right there right now, we get stuck in this cycle. We become determined, and yet we fail. And in order to break out of the cycle, we need to understand that, that we're not going to build on our own determination. We're not going to build on what we desire, but, but on the foundation of Christ, on Him, and of seeking Him and His Word first above all else. And for the next few weeks, we're going to look at what it means to practically seek first God's kingdom as we build on a firm foundation about what it means to seek first in our giving and in our service and in the Sabbath and and ultimately what it means to seek first His kingdom and His righteousness as individuals and as a body of believers. We're going to strive to make God's Word our foundation on which we build because it is the words of life It is Christ himself as we consider what Christ has done for us. And so as we answer the question, what are you going to do about it? We want to build on Christ. That's what we want to do about it. Because of his love for us, because of what he has done for us, we are going to seek first his kingdom. We're going to seek the kingdom of God. It begins with the foundation. The decision to be wise or to be foolish is the decision you get to make. As Jesus tells this story, he is identifying the rock as the foundation of the Word himself. It's backed by the character of God and expressed completely and perfectly and fully in the person of Jesus Christ. And it's upon Jesus through the relationship we can have with God through Christ that we build our life and we build on that rock. And so what about you? Where are you building your life? It's time for you to, to think about where your life is and where you desire for it to go? Who do you desire to to be in charge of your life? And and how will you allow God to build your life? Um, Is your life built on your career? Or maybe on on money or family or status or education? Maybe it's built on your friends or a philosophy or your preferences? Is following Jesus a, a matter of guilt or obligation? Or maybe it's just a matter of convenience for you. Is your foundation firm in Christ Jesus our Lord. This morning, we want to give you an opportunity to respond to God's Word, to not merely hear the Word of God and and not act upon it, but to hear His Word and to act upon it. And maybe for you here today, that means you need to accept Jesus for the first time. And you need to say, you know what, it's time for me to to be obedient to Him and and to surrender my life to Him and, and make Him not only Savior of my life, but Lord. Maybe for you, you just need to be obedient. You've already accepted Christ, but you're not walking in obedience with Him in one form or fashion, and it's time to say, you know what, I I want to do that. Not by my own will, but through the power of the Holy Spirit living within me, asking God to take that over, and I surrender that to Him. Maybe for you, you just want someone to pray with you and encourage you and and hold you accountable and, and, and walk with you. We, as a church body of believers, would love to have that opportunity to do that with you.
Ian and the band are going to lead us in this song, Cornerstone, how we build our life on the cornerstone that is Christ Jesus, our Lord. And we invite you to do that. I'm going to invite you to stand with me. Let's respond together. If you want to talk to someone, we invite you to make your way over to the cross. We'll meet you there.